talk a lot in Pentecost about binding the strong man. But a lot of times we don't talk about why we bind him. We just say, bind the strong man in Jesus' name. But the book of Matthew tells us the purpose of why we bind the strong man. It says, no man can spoil a strong man's house lest he first bind the strong man. And we stop. And then it says, and then he can go in his house and get the spoil. You know what that means to a group of young people in 2022? When you start binding the strong man, that there's spoils of war in your city. I got seven of you believe what I just said. The rest of you still sleeping. There's spoils of, there's revival that you've never tapped into that the devil's been holding on to. But at 238 conference, you found the strong man and you're going to go home to your city and you're going to get the spoils of war. Come on, somebody that believes it, just start to throw your hands in the air and find the strong man and praise God in advance for the spoil. and shout one more time with a shout of triumph with a shout of praise hallelujah amen 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 first peter chapter two this is text that you should be able to quote I want to say how impacted I have been by the preaching of Brother McDonald this week. And I will tell you, Brother McDonald, I, I have enjoyed being linked with you in this service. And I honor you and I appreciate your desire to preach the word of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, you can tell when somebody studies and when they don't. And that man is in the word of God, and I appreciate that. Thank you so much for preaching to us. Thank you so much to the host pastor, Pastor Kevin Bradford, who has become a dear friend to me and I love very much. And I don't think enough gets said about Sister Bradford, but she is one of the kindest people I know. And she's very quiet, but she's also one of the most passionate people I know. And so I give honor to you and to your wife, my friend, Brother Peyton Bradford, his wife, London, and Paisley. <laughs> I love this family. And uh, I just feel like, I don't know if they like me or not, but I feel like they do because I come in the house and I kick my shoes off and I drink milk out the cart. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> But I, I do love this family so much. And please forgive me for just a moment, but I want to thank this local church. I've been in revival here for the last three months. And I want to thank this local church for just being who you are. And what you see here is a direct result of the awesome people of Greater Bakersfield First Pentecostal Church. And we should give them a hand of appreciation. Amen. I honor my wife. I love so much. It's, it's such a treat to have her with me. I have to travel a lot by myself, but to have her and my children with me is a true treat to me. And uh, eternity will only know what this week has meant to me and my wife. Uh, Wednesday night, my son received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Evidence is speaking another tongue. And I'm glad about it. Amen. Of course, I have so many friends that are here, and I honor you. I won't take time to call names, but if you need honor, you're honored. Amen. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation. Ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I told y'all last night, I really love to preach a series. And last night I preached part two of what I preached Thursday night last year at 2.38. So if it'll be all right tonight, I'm just going to preach part two of what I preached Friday night last year. And I'm going to go with that. And uh, Brother McDonald, if it's all right, I'll take a, a, a pass.
page out of your playbook. And we, we, like you said the other day, there's a lot of these scriptures like this one that when we read it, we automatically think we know where he's going. Well, Brother McDonald, I wrote the notes on this one. And y'all don't know where I'm going yet, so just don't, don't lock me into some preordained, pre-cookie-cutter idea of what this scripture means, but we're going to preach it together tonight. I want to preach to you in the form of a question tonight and just ask you simply this. Are you really a priest? Are you really a priest? Look at someone and tell them, are you really? Ask them, are you really a priest? Let's lift our hands together and pray. God, we love you so much. Come on, would you lift your hands all over this house? We're so thankful tonight to, to know you in the fullness of your power. We pray, God, right now that your anointing would help us. God, there's no good thing in me. But I'm asking you, Lord, right now to let the anointing overshadow my humanity. Preach to your people. These are your people, God. They're the sheep of your pasture. I'm asking you, God, to preach to your people tonight. Help us, change us, challenge us, make us more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you clap your hands one more time to the Lord? Thank him. Praise him. Lift your voice with me right now. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Come on, could you do it a little higher? be seated in the fear of the Lord. In Pentecost, we have a reputation. I tend to like it. We have a reputation for being loud. As we should be. Because it's biblical. We have a reputation, not tonight, it's impossible, but we have a reputation to be aisle runners. I like that. We have a reputation to be the ones that are leaping and dancing and rolling as we should. We have a reputation for being a church that shouts. And I'm going to tell you right now, as far as I'm concerned, you won't find a preacher in Pentecost that loves to shout more than I love to shout. It's who we are. It's what we are. It's ingrained in our identity. However... Sometimes we're not really good at telling what we're shouting about. Uh-oh. And learning when we're studying the word of God, which, which the scientific term is hermeneutics, and there is this little thing in hermeneutics. It's the third law is called context. And I know I can get a good amen from every preacher on this platform when I say context has messed up a good bit of messages for me. I've had a whole lot of good thoughts that I just knew would preach and then begin to read them and put what I was, my thought that I tried to find a Bible scripture to match. And when I started putting it in context, it really didn't work out that well. Undoubtedly, this is one of those texts that we can shout about and we can run the aisles and we can dance, but we have to put it in context. How many youth rallies, conferences, Camp meetings, mission services, Hope Corps, ITWs, and the list goes on and on. Have you heard 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 quoted, preached from, and we get all worked up into a lather and dance and run and shout like we did on Friday night of last year? How many times have you heard it and you stood to your feet and said amen? But at the end of the day, you don't really know what you're clapping about. I've come back to 238 in 2022 to ask you, do you even know what a priest is? Do you know that being a part of a royal priesthood isn't just about running the aisles and, and saying I'm a priest? Do you know that it's not just about shouting and dancing, but to be a priest, there were some duties that were involved. And you can't be a royal priesthood and not follow after the royal duties. This is where we find context in 1 Peter Chapter 1 and verse 2, if you'll let me take my time tonight, 
he tells us who he's talking to as he begins the verse with elect. He's telling us Peter, the man with the keys to the kingdom, the man who preached the first message of Pentecost on the outpouring of God's spirit. He was there and he was addressing them by saying to the elect, Peter isn't writing in the same format that he preached over 30 years ago. Now, he's, he, then he was preaching to sinners, but now he is preaching to the Greek word, the electos. He is preaching to the chosen. With the exception of Matthew, it is Peter with, uh, that teaches us. He uses the word elect more than any other in, in Scripture, again, with the exception of Jesus and, and Matthew's recording. Peter the fisherman, Peter the hot-headed swordsman, Peter the man that would curse just to get his point across as he vehemently denied, I do not know him, is writing from the perspective of experience of what it takes to be elect. And, and he begins to tell us, and we'll hash this out tonight as we go, but he lets us know that being elect isn't just a random number that God draws and says, you're chosen. Brother McDonald, I'm telling you, if there was ever a day that I, I heard from God, I heard from him today when you were preaching. God chooses from the back of the line. But I want to ask you tonight, do you know if you're in the line? Do you know how to get in the line? Do you even know where the line's at? Peter said, I told you how to be saved. And this is just Bible study right now. We'll preach here in a minute. But he, he says, I told you how to be saved, but now I want to tell you how to stay saved. We see 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice through now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I don't want to take the time tonight to go through this. Well, I do want to, but y'all will be, so he said something about a seven-hour sermon. Somebody said amen. I said, Usher, please get her out of here. <laughs> We're not going to do that tonight. They're elect because they've been through multiple temptations. Their faith has been tried. They have the faith to fight hell, but they keep fighting, and, and God keeps them. Then he says the Old Testament prophesied of this grace. It is the part of the elect that, like God, he gave it to the prophets, but he didn't give it to them. He gave it to you. He gave them the prophetic word of the things that were to come in this grace period, and here it comes. This is how you're elect in First Peter chapter 1 and verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. Now, I, I, I do think I will take a minute and preach here. Can I tell you that lust and ignorance are a dangerous com combination and they will cause you to create and, and fashion unholy cycles in your life? Cycles that are hard to break. I would go as far as to say addictions. When you follow after these lusts in your ignorance, it'll cause you to walk and create this vicious cycle that it's so hard to get out. Listen, young person, it's not hard to fix a mistake. When you make a mistake and you go to your pastor, he's not there to beat you up. He's there to help you to get over your mistake. But I'm going to tell you something. It's a whole lot easier to get over a mistake than it is to break a cycle. So I want to ask you a question. Did you make a mistake or did you start a trend? Because if you started a trend, you're in for a long day. You're in for a long journey. When Saul messed up, the preacher, he's coming around the corner. Saul make, makes a mistake. And he takes the decision to make it a trend because he says, what is that that I hear? And the first thing he says is, the people made me do it. People that start trends are usually the people that are going to blame their mistake on somebody else. Ooh, I'm preaching good now. People that start trends are often the ones that say, well, everybody else in the youth group did it. I don't know why I'm getting in trouble. People that started trends are the ones uh, that say, you know what, I I'll just go with my peers. That's what they're doing. And, and, and he gives him an opportunity to repent, but he doubles down. He says, I'm telling you, it was the people. People did it. And I was afraid of them. 
the man of God begins to look at Saul. He says, buddy, you don't know what you've done. You don't know how bad this is. You don't know how detrimental this is to your ministry. You're worried about what people think about you? Can I tell you that the most detrimental place in your walk with God that you'll ever live is when you live for God according to what people think about you? We just talking right now. I'm going to preach in a minute. You, you see some of these adults right now that are waving their hands and they're clapping and they're nodding. You, you ought to just take a page out of their book and know that they're, they're saying that and they're doing that because of experience. And they understand that you can't live for God successfully trying to live for God through the eyes of your peers and the eyes of everybody around you. You've got to figure out how to live for God for you. You've got to figure out how to live for God with just you and him in a prayer closet. And it doesn't matter what the people say. And it doesn't matter what the people do. I'm walking with God. I'm talking with the Lord. This is an unholy trend. This is a vicious cycle. Because now he's addicted to what people think about him. I'm preaching to somebody right now. To the point to where... When the prophet goes to turn away, he grabs him by the end of the coat and he rips his coat. And the prophet turns around and looks at him and says, kingdom being ripped away from you. He's screaming, no, preacher, don't go. And you know what he's saying? This is, this is what Saul said. Not, I didn't make this up. Saul said this. He said, turn with me for the people's sake. Pastor, don't set me down. Don't set me down off the platform. Turn, turn with me for the people's sake. Pastor, don't, don't, don't be too hard on me. Don't, don't take me off the platform because I told you I'm addicted to pornography. Just, just let me keep getting up there. Don't, don't, don't deal with it like that. Don't, don't, don't do it because I, I went out with my friends from school uh, and, and, and started vaping and drinking and all those ungodly things. Uh, don't take me off the platform. Uh, what's everybody going to think about me? You've already started a trend uh, that if you're not careful, it'll take the rest of your life to break it. Uh, and you may never make it out of it. And the kingdom might be ripped out of your hands. Uh, you better be careful with lust and ignorance mixed together. That's one of the major differences between Saul and David. When Saul got in trouble, he said, just worship with me for the people's sake. But when David got in trouble, he ran to the man of God and he fell at his knees. And he said, preacher, pray for me. I know I made a mistake, but I'll own the mistake. I'll be a man about it. I'll be a woman about it. I'll stand up and I'm not going to create a trend of ungodliness. As long as people don't make, see me make the mistake. Let me just put it like this. As long as I don't get caught. I know, I know it's Friday night at 2.38 and I was supposed to shout you out and all this. We might shout. I don't know. But I'm trying to help you as you grow to being an adult. How to live for God. I'm trying to help you keep from falling into a cycle. Say, preacher, I don't believe that. That's why by the time you get home, you'll be right back in that same cycle. And you'll be addicted to that same stuff. And you'll be hanging out with that same group. It's because you're trying to put the blame on everybody around you. Instead of looking in the mirror and saying, it's me. I've got a problem. And I've got to fix it. We're going to preach through this and we're going to get to you're a chosen generation and you're a royal priesthood. But we only quote that part of 1 Peter. But you back up to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And Peter reaches way back to an Old Testament idea 
And he says, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. If you think it's an accident that Peter is writing to the elect, whom he will in chapter 2 call the priesthood, that he doesn't reach back 2,000 years ago and repeat a message that was preached to the priesthood of way back then. He, Peter said, this isn't my idea, but if you want to go forward in priesthood, then you're going to have to walk back down memory lane and figure out what it was like to be a priest. And the first thing you had to do to be a priest is to recognize that you are unholy, but you must walk holy, and that you are born in sin, shaping in an iniquity flesh, but there's got to be something where you wrestle your flesh down and you make the decision to be holy as he is holy. Peter was letting us know, Brother McDonald, that the, I, I know me and him were talking about this. I love talking to this guy. Me and, we could talk for hours. But I'm going to tell you something. Peter was letting us know this Christianity idea of the Old Testament God and the New Testament God being two different, two different gods. That's hogwash. The same God that hated sin in Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy He's the same God that hates sin in the epistles. He's the same God that hated sin. And he hasn't changed the way that he felt about it. He hasn't changed the fact that you gotta be holy if you wanna be a priest. So Peter reaches way back and gets an old message and said, if you're gonna be elect, if you're gonna be a royal priesthood, we got to be holy. Again, we shout about being a priest. And we have access. Don't you know, Brother Phillips, that the veil was ripped in twain? Don't you know that we have access to the most holy place? But don't you ever forget that holy access only comes through holy actions. You can't get holy access with unholy actions. That's why some of you are beating your head against the wall and you're living for God unsuccessfully because you keep trying to come into the holy places and find the most holy God with unholy actions. And Peter said, you got to go back to the Leviticus and you got to find out what it's like to walk in purification. You got to find out what it's like to have holy actions. I don't believe that, Brother Phillips. Then don't you ever pray the tabernacle prayer again. Don't you ever repent and ask the water of the word to, to, to touch your spirit again. Don't you ever ask God to bring you into the holy of holies. Don't you ever ask God, let me see your glory. If you're going to be a priest, you got to go through priestly actions. You don't just get into the holy of holies. I'm telling you, I'm preaching to my generation and the one coming after me. My greatest fear of what I see in, 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 in my hour is we are trying to make uncommon things common. I'm going to tell you, just, just hear me. I know I'm a millennial, but I'm a boomer at heart. I'm going to tell you what it bothers me. When I was a kid, Bishop Wilson, we would have services for the glory of God. And nobody was checking Facebook. Nobody was worried about Instagram. Can, can, can I just get on a soapbox for like 45 seconds? It bugs me. Now, look, I, I get it. There, there were special moments. I appreciate the ones of you that were, were taking pictures when my son was praying through the Holy Ghost. And I get that. There are special moments. There are positions for that. I get all of that. We, we've, get, we've got more access than we've ever had before to, to the proper things to get people into the church. I get all of that. But there, there comes a point in time when holy things are happening where you need to stop taking pictures of your friends. And you need to be the one down there in the aisle with them. 
So I'm going to tell you something. You say, well, I just want to remember the moment. I'm going to tell you this. You'll remember the moment a whole lot better if you're the one climbing up uh, out of the altar with tissues stuck to your face uh, and snot running down your nose uh, than if you look at an Instagram post uh, and say, boy, that was a good service. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, as a young man uh, that remembers church before we had all that, I can take you to the place. Uh, I can take you to the altar. I can show you the way, the way uh, that I received my call to preach. Uh, I can show you the place uh, where I laid down and gave it all to God. You can't just get into the Holy of Holies. You don't just waltz in there whistling Dixie. You can't get, the purpose of the Holy of Holies is you got to get blood on the mercy seat. And let me tell you something, you didn't buy the blood at Walmart. You didn't get to the mercy seat unless you went to the brazen altar first. You don't get into the Holy of Holies unless you kill your flesh first. We've ever been living in a prideful generation. We're living in, let, no, let me rephrase that. We're not living in a prideful generation. We're living in a prideful culture. Because I'm watching right now as some 80-year-old grandmas can't stay on Facebook. I, this, this culture has lost its ability to blush. I grew up, there were certain words you didn't say. I know we in California, but you can talk to some of these old white-headed preachers and they'll tell you the same thing. Y'all just got it a lot sooner than we did. It's not a generational issue. We don't have a generational issue. We have a culture issue. We have a culture that's so full of pride, we don't want to put it on the altar. We don't want to kill the flesh. We don't. I, I can't get into the holy of holies uh, because I'm not willing to put my flesh on the altar. But can I tell you that if you're going to get in there, that you've got, you've got to put it all out. Uh, you've, got to, you've got to go through the brazen altar. Uh, you've got to go through the labor and wash yourself uh, with the word. Uh, you, you've got to walk into the inner court uh, and light the golden candlesticks uh, and eat from the bitter frankincense uh, sprinkled bread. Uh, and, and you've got to bring all the incense uh, before the Lord, uh, before you can get to the veil. Uh, preacher, it don't take all that. That's why you'll be addicted to pornography again. Uh, and that's why you're in the cycle. It does take all that if you're going to be a priest. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. We shout about verse 9, but we don't read verse 1. And context means that you read what's before it and you read what's after it. Before you ever become a priest, a chosen generation, he said, wherefore, laying aside all malice, evil, naughtiness, wickedness, all of it, and guile. This is, the, 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 in its origins, it, it's, it's to trick or bait or trap. Am I preaching yet? Listen. That redneck's creeping up my neck again. If we preach against putting makeup on your face, why would you do it on a filter? If, hey, brother, can I tell you? It might be a trap. You want to see her in the altar crying before you say, you want to go get in and out? She might not. I'm going to, talk, I'm going to preach to y'all sisters here in a minute, but, but let me just tell you, brother. If, if you see her crying in the altar and she all of a sudden runs to the bathroom and for some reason she don't look the same way as she did when she got to church, that's gall. That's a, that's a trap. It's good preaching, whether you like it or not. That's a front. 
me just tell you young lady something. If he comes to church 15 minutes late, talking about how he's called to preach, ain't been in a prayer meeting one, it's a trap. That's guile. Can I, can I just tell you how I, I tell the young men that God's connected me to? You ought to show up for time at prayer. Because young lady, let me tell you something. If he shows up for time at prayer, he'll probably show up for time for work. Well, I know I'm in California, but I feel like I'm preaching really good right now. Don't find you some guy. I don't care if he does computer work, tech work, some kind of work. Find you a boy that you know is showing up to time on prayer. Because if he's showing up for prayer, he'll show up for work too. Let me just go a little bit farther than that. If he shouts hard, he'll work hard. I'm preaching to a generation. You need to find your spouse in the house of God. Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers because you can't be a priest and walk right and talk right while you're trying to drag somebody to the house of God. Look at somebody you're sitting next to and ask them, you ain't a trap, are you? Hypocrisies. Judging by the amount of laughter that's going on, there may be one or two in the building. <laughs> he said, guile. Lay this aside. Get rid of the malice. Get rid of the guile, the traps, the hypocrisies, the lies. Listen to me. You don't have to lie to get people to like you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen. I, I know some of y'all want me to preach better right now, and I'm not preaching to the adults. I'm preaching to the kids that are here. They didn't bring me here to preach to you. You know what you need to do? You need to get rid of all the lies in your mind that the devil's telling you. And not only that, but all the people that are feeding you the lies that are telling you you need this to be accepted and you need that to be accepted. Honey, I'm going to tell you something. I don't care if you don't have but five followers on Instagram. If you pray, if you've got the Holy Ghost, if you're walking in obedience to your pastor, he chose you from the back of the line, Brother McDonald, and he's walking with, get rid of the hypocrisy. Lay all the lies down. Here's one. And envies. I know it's Friday night conference, but I feel like just preaching like it's Wednesday night Bible study for a minute. Envies. Translated, jealousies. Did you see what suit they had on? Who cares? Did you come to see what they got on or did you come to talk to the Lord? Because here's the cycle. Here's the cycle, Bishop Frost. I'm worried about what people think. I'm worried about what people got. And all the while, Samuel's walking away from you and you're grasping at the end of his coattail saying, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me, preacher. Please don't walk away. And you can't see that if you would just stop being jealous of him or her because of what they got or how they look or where they came from. I'm this is a problem in young people in Pentecost. And if you want to be a royal priesthood, you got to lay down the jealousy. Evil speakings. Slander. I'm not going to preach that one, but I could. What's interesting to me, Brother CJ, is when Peter's talking, for the majority, he's not talking about how we look. Because priesthood know that there's a certain way you got to look. You can't be a priest. Let's just be, look, this is not to isolate anybody. Please understand this. If you're just coming into this truth, just understand this is not to you. This is not to shame you. But we can tell when somebody isn't apostolic and they come to church. How can we tell? By the way they look. 
But Peter's preaching to the elect that know how to look. Can I tell you, in Pentecost, I'm looking around here tonight. I, I, I tried. For the most part, we don't have a holiness problem. We got a heart problem. See, priesthood isn't just about putting on the priestly garb and going to the temple. It's be ye holy, for I am holy. It, it, listen, you will. I'm telling you right now, brother, brother Young. Do I believe holiness, outward holiness, brother Frost? Do I believe outward holiness? Have we spent enough time? Listen, if y'all don't believe them, I don't know what to tell you. I believe outward holiness. But the issue is, is we can come to church outward holy and be so inward unholy and wonder why we can't get the glory to fall. You look at scripture, it's in there. Brother Allen, I'm telling them the truth. It's in there. You can be a Levite and still not be a priest. You don't believe me, you can ask a man by the name of Korah who was of the Levite nation. He was the cousin of Aaron and his brethren. And, but yet, there, there's an issue. It, it's, it's this cycle. He says, preacher, who do you think you are? Can I tell you, uh, this, this isn't in my notes, but let me just say this. Nothing will shut the door to the glory quicker than rebellion. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. That's why Korah plays out the same story of what happened in heaven. Lucifer said, I want to be, be like God. I want to share his glory. And watch this. You ready? Y'all ain't ready for this. Korah says, I want to be equal with my preacher. Uh-oh, help me, Jesus. I feel like I just stomped on somebody's foot. Korah said, I want to be like or, or, Lucifer said, I want to be like God. Cor said, I want to be like the preacher. Guess what? The same thing happened to both of them. You want to shut the door to the miraculous in your life? Oh, I know you've grown. You a man. You 18, 19 years old. And who does that 60-year-old man that doesn't know how to wear his suits and his shoes ain't been shined in six years, who does he think he is trying to tell me how to dress? Uh, who, who does that 65-year-old pastor's wife think she is uh, telling me my skirt's too short? Uh, don't she know that this is the style uh, of what, what's going on right now? Yeah, you go ahead. You keep being rebellious. Uh, and the next thing you know, the door to glory will be shut off. You can't be a priest and be in rebellion at the same time. We, I'm, I'm, Brother Bucks, am I doing good yet? We can preach about holy, but you can be holy and still be immoral. You don't believe me? You can ask Hophni and Phineas who put on the priestly robes and took more than their portion, who put on the priestly robes and was immoral with women in the tabernacle, who put on the priestly robes and were in rebellion to their father. I want to tell you something. There ain't nothing makes God any more sick than somebody that looks holy but ain't holy. I can tell by the way some of y'all are looking at me, you don't believe me, so I'm going to give you a Bible for it. You can look at Leviticus chapter 13. The Bible says that there are some things that you can eat and you can't eat. Why can't you eat them? Because they're unholy. And he says, look, what, if it's holy, it's going to have the split hoof and it's going to have the chambered stomach so it can chew the cud. And if it's unholy, it's not going to have those things. But there's an issue because there's some things that are partially qualified. And so God says the camel... He's not clean unto you because he might chew the cut, but he don't have the split hoof. And then he says the comey and the hair, he's, he's unclean unto you because he chews the cut, but he doesn't have the split hoof. And then he flips to the other side of it and he says, and the swine. Now the swine's a little bit different because he looks holy. Oh, I know you're thinking of the actual pig, but if you look at a pig, he has a split hoof, but he don't have the inward ability 
And when Deuteronomy talks about it, he calls it an abomination. He said, the swine is an abomination unto you. Because nothing makes God any more sick than somebody that's walking around and trying to look holy. And you've got all the things together, but on the inside, you're full of dead man's bones. And I can go even farther than that and take you into the New Testament where the Bible says that Jesus showed up in Gadara and when he cast the demons out of legion, you know what? That wasn't Jesus' idea to send them into the swine. Go read your Bible. The demon said, send us into the swine. You want to know why? Because the devil knows he's the most productive in somebody that looks right. He knows he's the most productive in a young person in the youth group that looks right. He might not can come in looking like the camel, and he's not right on the outside, but he's got a heart that loves God. He can't get in there when he's looking like the ones that come out of the world. But you let somebody that walks in, and they walk right, and they seemingly talk right, but the inside is full of dead man's bones. devil asked him send us into the swine you read your bible it's am i making this up or is it in there the bible says that jesus had to leave because they asked don't we don't want you here god manifest in the flesh oh god oh man jesus christ had to leave because the devil got into something that was part way qualified to be holy That's why you don't need to miss prayer meetings. Hear me. That's why you need to get your heart right so that you can be a holy nation, that peculiar people, that priesthood. You can't just be a priest. You can't just be elect. Tell you something. I'm, I'm most definitely, I'm not a Calvinist. Let me tell you something about this elect business. It has just as much to do with you. God reaches down to humanity. You said it today. Many are called. Few are chosen. You don't know who the, the word chosen there is elect. Eclectos. And he says, many are called, but few are chosen. He's reaching down for humanity. You want to know who's chosen? The ones that reach back. Because I'm going to tell you, if, if, if the doctrine of being elect is true, then you're just going to be saved. If you're going to be saved, you're not going to be, you're going to be not. And, and that means that, that, that anybody can just, you, you can't be anything unless God decides that you can. Let me tell you something. I don't care if you come across the wrong side of the tracks. I don't care if you was picked up on a Sunday school bus from the time you were 6 to you were 18. I don't care if your mom and daddy were addicts and alcoholics. I don't care about any of that. I'm here to tell you right now, if you'll reach for him, he'll reach for you. And if you want to do something for God, he'll let you. Brother McDonald was preaching about it today. He said, why everybody else, and you want to know why God chose him? Because why everybody in that youth group was acting like a bunch of knuckleheads. He was trying to find out the doctrine. That's what made him elect. That's what God, that's why God chose him. That's why God made him a priest. You want to... You want to know why you're elect? It's because when God reaches down, you reach up and you sing the old song. If you can use anything, you can use me. I want to be chosen. Doesn't just, it doesn't just mean all that they think it does. Because Peter tells us that in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Because he says that God is not willing that any should perish. That all should come to repentance. But you can't be chosen without the prefix of being holy. You can't be elect. If you don't believe me, I can still see some of y'all. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee. He's talking to Israel. He says, listen, before I, we get into all of this choosing stuff, I want to know, 
Are you willing to walk holy? Matthew chapter 20, when Jesus said many are called but few are chosen, you have to understand the context of the story. He's just told the parable of the 11th hour saints. And he stops when he tells the story of how they're grumbling because didn't we? No, we've been out here all day. And you're going to give them the same thing you give us? What are you doing? And Jesus stops and he says, many are called, but few are chosen. And what he's literally doing is reaching back to the parable he's just told and said, some people are called because everybody's called to the field. But some people are worried about the recognition and some people are worried about the mission. All they were worried about was the money. We've been out here all day and you're just going to pay us a penny? See, elect people are people that got the same calling. They went to the same 238 conference. They went to the same youth group. They prayed in the same altars. But they figured out it ain't about me. It's about the field. It's about the mission. I know some are going to be like Judas and be worried about the money. And some are going to be like Saul and worried about what people think. And some are going to be like Demas and worried about worldly riches. But there's going to be somebody that says, I'll be elect. I'll walk with him. I'll make my calling an election sure. I'll make, I want to make heaven my home. And if I have to do it from a pew, I'll do it. If I have to do it from an altar, I'll do it. I want to be chosen by God. I'm going to reiterate just simply this. Select people or people like Abraham who God calls. Many are called. Few are chosen. But he decided to respond to the call. If the field's a vacuum cleaner in the sanctuary, if the field's a toilet wand in the men's bathroom, if the field is the bad side of town with a search for truth chart under my If the field's being the only apostolic my high school, listen to me. All that means is you got great opportunities. I'm not worried about the money. I'm worried about the mission. I'm, I'm trying to hurry, I promise. If we shout about Deuteronomy chapter 28, the blessings, they're all field-related blessings. We claim the blessings because we're a part of Abraham's covenant. We love that because it's favor. It's, it's, it's our ideology of being elect. Favor ain't fair. Yeah, but let me tell you something else. Favor is always faithful. So you mean favor's faithful to me? No, in order to get favor, you got to be faithful. <laughs> favor over my cattle. Favor over my sheep. Favor over my basket. Favor over my store. But if you back up to Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1, you'll find out there's contingencies to favor. There's contingency to priesthood. And it says, and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do the commandments when I command thee this day that the Lord thy God shall set thee on high above nations. You don't get the blessings without walking behind him and observe his commandments I tell you something it's all field related commissions in the field he says this if you don't hearken can you put Deuteronomy uh, 28 and 15 up there he takes 14 verses to talk about blessing but let me tell you something he takes a whole lot longer time to talk about curses he says this, you want to shout about being a priest? 
But it shall come to pass that thou will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Let me just, can, can, listen, can I just preach this without having to qualify everything? You know what the voice of God is for you? It's your pastor. I know that ain't deep preaching, but it's true preaching either way. I'm going to tell you right now. I, I, I realize I'm on HDR, and, and the last I checked, my pastor told me he was going to be listening. I'm a 31-year-old man. And my wife will tell you I am headstrong. But if my pastor called me right now and said, I want you home in the morning, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm getting there. Listen, you can call me conceited if you want to. That's fine. But I, I, I've been a successful evangelist. God's been good to me, not because of me, but because of God. Every bit of the success that God has allowed me to have, every bit of it is hinging can you hearken to the voice of the Lord your God? And sometimes it's going to be something you don't like to hear. If you will, not hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord thy God. Have I preached too long or do I have some more time? To observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day. That the Lord thy God will set thee on high above, above all nations. That, that's verse 1. Let me go back to verse 15. But it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. To observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I have commanded thee this day. That all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And now we shout about being blessed in the field. But now he starts talking about you're going to be cursed in the field. Cattle's going to be cursed. Storehouse is going to be cursed. Hebrew word cursed is the word arar. Its primitive root is to execrate. The etymology of the word execrate, ex, has been sacred. Ex, sacred. And in its rawest form, Bishop Wilson, it can be actually said like this, ex, saint. God says, you don't hearken unto me, and a curse is going to fall upon you. You know what that curse is going to be? You're an ex-saint. And when my mercy and my grace would deal with you, and you would, you would feel that feeling when you walked into the house of God, my spirit will not always strive with man. Listen to me, I... I as an evangelist, I make it my business to learn how to read people. I don't worry when backsliders get up and walk out. They don't bother me. I don't worry when backsliders get up and go to the bathroom when conviction gets heavy. What bothers me is when they don't move. Because conviction will draw you out or it'll draw you in. What bothers me is when young people that are not hearkening to the voice of the Lord. Had their pastors preached week in and week out, reaching with everything he had, and they sat there like a bump on a log, and God says, you want to know what it is? You didn't hearken, and now there's a curse that's coming upon you. You didn't hearken, and now you're an ex Saint, it comes automatically when somebody's in the field and they lose sight of the mission. Because <laughs> elect men, they know how to be elect even when they're in the field. They know how to hear the voice of God when they're in the field. Bishop, would you, would you come here, Brother Frost? I'm going to tell you what, I, and I, I've told him this privately, and I mean this, I, I'm telling him publicly. I, he had to babysit me while Brother Bradford was in Turkey. Boy, I gave him a lot of trouble. Took me to eat a really good hamburger and some peanut butter pie. 
That's good stuff. Then we can get one of those before I get out of here. We'll try. Okay. So you don't stop me. Okay. How'd we get here? So <laughs> you know what I've learned being around this man, and he's, he's wanting to choke me right now after I say this. This man's elect. This man knows practical, doctrinal, theological ways to live for God. Don't choke me. You want to know what made this man elect? Because God said, hmm. Now, there's a lot of men in that good church that I each carry pastors, but you know what? I just like him better. He's taller. That ain't how God did that. You don't know how he got where he's at to where he's helping people help people? he figured out how to be elect. So how do I be elect? I'm preaching to you all night. You take one step at a time in the ways of God. Holiness unto the Lord. And I'm bold and I'm brave but there's some things I just don't do. You, you, you want my opinion? Ask me. I'm ready and willing to give it to you. Any day, any time. Call me at 3 o'clock in the morning ask me for my opinion. It's there. It's ready. I can give it to you. There's some things I walk soft around, and that's the holiness of God. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bishop Wilson, will you help me? Come here, Bishop Wilson. These, these men, I'm telling you, if there's anybody in this congregation that has affected me in the last couple years of my life, it's these two men right here. Maybe. Now listen, they're they're tough. So if I say this and it's taken the wrong way, they're tough. They're tough men. We look at men like this and say they're once in a generation men. But what if they're not? What if being elect has nothing to do with where you came from or what your last name is? What if being elect doesn't have to do anything with being chosen. What if being elect has everything to do with being consecrated? I might. I might. Maybe. I look at these men and they're my heroes. But maybe they're not once in a lifetime men. Maybe they just had once in a lifetime consecrations. Mark, would you help me? I think about men like Bishop Joel Holmes. I'm telling you, some of the most precious moments I've ever had in my life was sitting at a table one-on-one with Bishop Holmes, just very briefly and, and picking his brain. Tell you something. What if, what if that big church that you see in Little Rock, Arkansas, doesn't have to anything to do with just who he is. Because his daddy was a preacher. What if it has to do with the fact that before that man, most days, gets up, before he'll eat a bowl of cereal, he'll go to the church and pray? What? I lost some of you. I can, I can tell right now. <laughs> Listen, he's my friend. And if anybody takes this and perverts it and says, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to talk down about it. You, you hear me, that's not the truth. We're brothers in arms, but everybody wants to be like Cody Marks. He's my friend. He's a prophet. And if you talk bad about him, you got me to deal with. And that's a whole lot to deal with. Everybody wants to be like Cody Marks, but nobody wants to spend. I've heard him say it multiple times. Nobody wants to spend their high school year fasting every other day. 
What if Cody Marks is not a once-in-a-lifetime man? What if he just has a once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-generation consecration? I've come to ask you a question at 238. Are you really a priest? <laughs> the priest don't know, just doesn't know how to shout. He knows what he's shouting about. Why Paul would write to Timothy and say, Study to show thyself approved. God, if you can hear this 31 year old evangelist right now, my prayer is not tonight that my name is in light. It ain't about me, God. Make me a priest. God, my prayer for this congregation is not that we grow up and get a lot of fame and fortune because we came missionaries and evangelists and pastored big churches, wrote big checks to fund the kingdom. Now look, I want you to do all that. Do you know what your pastor needs more than anything else in the world, more than he needs your money and more than he needs you to grow up and be a big-time preacher and for him to add a notch to his belt that they came out of my church? He needs a priest. He needs somebody that understands that this is holy business and I have holy access. But if I want to use holy accents, I've got to have holy actions. I, I, Brother McDonald, I'm, I'm like you. I, I, don't, I don't know whose story else to tell but my own. I, I, I'm just me and who I am. You looking at somebody right now. Listen, you're going to hear me preach more about this this year. I'm, I'm telling you. You're looking at a kid right now. I've been preaching this at youth rallies everywhere I go. I'll never forget one time, Brother Peyton Bradford, I got up to preach. When I got down, Brother Young, my suit was buttoned like this. I didn't know how to wear a suit. I'm like Brother McDonald. I come from Podunk, McNary County, Tennessee. You know what we're known for? Moonshine. As far as I know, I'm the only preacher and my brother that were born in McNary County, apostolic preachers. Only ones. You know, it's, it's not a mecca of church growth. But it all started with a little widow woman in her living room and her grandson having prayer meetings. I figured out, did I make all the right choices? No. I'm a knucklehead at best. And a lot of other things at worst. Am I preaching 238 because I came from a long line of preachers? No, my dad was an alcoholic when he was 17 and God saved him and brought him into church. Called him into ministry. He's still an evangelist to this day. I don't come from some long line of preachers. You want to know why I'm at 238? I figured out there's glory in this. And sitting on the drums in Lexington, Tennessee, Pentecostal Lighthouse. I'm, I'm willing to bet nobody, if you've ever heard of the name Donald Jones from Lexington, Tennessee, raise your hand right now. Didn't think so. But to me, he was a hero because at nine years old, he put me up and told me, God's called you to preach, and you told me God called you to preach, so preach. And when I got done preaching, when I was 13 or 14, maybe a little younger than that, and he could tell I hadn't been in my word, he pulled me to the side. 
and said, boy, if you want to get in my pulpit, make sure you got something to say. And Brother Buxton, I learned that it's not about preaching big meetings. It's about consecration. I could, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying, I've had the time of my life, I love this group of people, but if I never preach another meeting in my life, it won't bother me a bit. altars are open. Lift your voice and pray. I don't want any more musicians. I just want Brother Mark to play softly. We're going to sing here in a few moments. My wife's going to come. She's going to sing. But I think it'd be good right now if we, if we turn the lights down and just have an apostolic prayer meeting. Pray, God, let there be a return to consecration. <laughs> let there be a return of priesthood. take 10 or 15 minutes before we sing anything and we just pray, pray, pray. Come on, pray. God, make me holy. God, make me holy. God, make me holy. Help me to walk holy. If I'm going to be chosen, it's because I recognize that you're reaching down and I'm going to reach up. <laughs> Many are called, but God, I'm not interested in just being called. I'm reaching towards you. I'm not interested in having a name. I'm interested in having a hold of the priesthood. for a preacher's son right now. I don't care what your daddy's name is. You can't ride your daddy's coattail to heaven. You can't ride your daddy's coattail into ministry. Come on, I don't care if your grandpa was a preacher. I don't care if it's your aunt, your uncle. You can't ride their coattail into priesthood. You got to figure out how to be a priest yourself. Are you really a priest? <laughs> 